Welcome. Today is the fourth and last week of the summer break series here on A Cup of Gratitude podcast. Next week, we will begin season six with an amazing interview with Karis Snyder. After our time learning more about biblical compassion, we're going to end with a beautiful song called Come Praise the Lord by Erica Renee McKinney. And go look in the show notes uh, so that you can follow her. She is amazing. So let's settle in and see what God has for us today. Today, we're looking at compassion for the second time. Last week, we defined compassion as love in action a sacrificial, unconditional love that joins us in our suffering. This week, we'll see as we have received God's compassion, we're then charged to go share that same compassion with the world. About a week ago, I was going through something challenging. I turned on worship music and began to focus on God. The song Jaira was playing. I was singing the words, Jaira, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough. The words filled my heart and my worries fell to the floor and suddenly God interrupted my worship. I heard him ask me, Amanda, what name do I want you to call me most right now? All of the names of God's character began to spin through my mind, and as suddenly as they did, I knew the answer. Father, I said, you want me to call you Father right now, and and I felt God smile. Yes, he said, and I was about to ask why, and before I even could, he responded, when you call me Father, you immediately remember that you are my child. Your identity is everlasting. These circumstances are temporary. We will get through it together. I love you. Well, I I broke. I worshiped, I cried, and I melted into a puddle on the floor. Then I talked with my daddy all morning long. Something shifted when I remembered who I was. What a good father to stop and be so intentional to interrupt me in order to speak life to join me in my suffering and show me his compassion. The love of God transforms our circumstances. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the story of the prodigal son from the Bible. This story shows that God's compassion also leads to forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pictured the father of the prodigal son from the famous Bible story I found in Luke— I saw him standing on the porch of his house, his hand stretched flat against his forehead to keep the sun out of his eyes, eyes that were busily scanning the horizon of his vast property, looking for his son. He looked and hoped with a father's love, and each day he would go back with fresh hope that one day his son would return to him. Now, (laughs) I know that he didn't have a porch, but that's just how I pictured it. But what I had never thought of before was that he wasn't standing in front of his home in the middle of some vast land. His home would have been one of many in a village surrounded by other families. People lived in small towns and villages at that time, and I did some research and found out some things I had never heard before. 
is always so powerful when God shows us something brand new in a story that we think we know everything about because we've read it so many times. We find the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And the man divided his property and gave him his share. Next, the son gathered his belongings and headed out to a faraway country where he proceeded to squander his inheritance. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine came across the country. The son hired himself out to feed the pigs of his citizen there. He was longing to be fed, but no one gave him anything. And one day he came to his right mind and thought, my father's hired servants have more than enough bread to eat, but I'm perishing here in hunger. So I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but treat me as your hired servant. And so he arose and set out to go to his father. Here, my friends, is where the story gets simply amazing. The next verse says, But while he was a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He ordered his servants to cover his son with his best robe, put shoes on his feet, and a signet ring on his finger. He calls for a celebration of friends and family. He orders his fatted calf to be prepared for the feast. He said that his son, who has been dead, was now alive. I took a deep dive into the culture of that time, and here is where the beauty and the power of this story lay. Anyone reading them would have known about the traditions of this time, but for me, it was a treasured gift. So let's take a look together. So the first thing that stood out to me was that the father was looking for his son. He had to have been waiting and watching every day to have seen him while he was still far off. But as I said in the beginning, he would have been in his village, so other families and friends would have seen his son walk away. They would have whispered to each other about his whereabouts. They would have heard the rumors that he had taken his inheritance before his father had even died. Here's where it gets fascinating. We know that the father stands looking for his son, and when he sees him in the distance, the Bible says he's filled with compassion and he runs to him. There it is again, love in action. The father didn't simply feel feelings of love. He didn't simply pity his son's suffering or empathize with his plight, but he ran to him. Now, in that time, a Middle Eastern man never, ever ran. If he were to run, he would have to lift up his robes so that he wouldn't trip. And if he did this, it would have exposed his bare legs, which in that culture at that time would have been humiliating and highly shameful. So why did the father run? In those days, if a Jewish son had lost his inheritance among the Gentiles and returned home, the community would perform a ceremony called a kizaza. They would fill a large pot with burnt beans, and they would break it in front of him and all yell together, you are now cut off from your people. And the community would reject him. Now, 
typically the father would be dead. In this case, the father's alive. So the community would reject them and they would shun and displace him from the village forever. When the father ran, he was willing to shame himself by lifting his robes and he ran through his village where everyone could see him. He was running as fast as he could to get to his son before the villagers could get to him. This father ran through his hometown with everything he had and with all of his love exposed. The villagers, seeing this spectacle, would have followed him. Can you picture it? The father sprinting towards his son in an excruciating dance of humility, forgiveness, and pure love. At the same time, the villagers followed with the intent to declare his son an outcast forever. When the father reached his son and embraced him and kissed him, he placed a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and a robe to cover his shame. The villagers who arrived at the scene would have immediately known that there would be no kizaza ceremony after all. There would be no ostracizing his son, despite what he had done. Instead of rejection, there would be acceptance. The son came home in repentance. This is what the father meant when he said that his son had been dead and now he was alive. The traditions of his people had already declared him dead. It was the act of love of the father that allowed him to return to a family of life. Instead of the ritual of Kizaza, there would be a feast The father had a celebration inviting friends and family to join him in his rejoicing. Now let that sink in for a moment. We have a heavenly father who loves us enough to take out our shame and to take it on himself and to cover us with his identity. What Jesus did on the cross for us did just that. We too stand off in the distance, covered in sin, we're ashamed for having made choices outside of the kingdom of God, but he looks each day. He scans the horizon, looking for his child walking home. And when he sees us, he is so filled with compassion, so overflowing with a true love for us that he lifts his holy garments and he runs. He keeps running until he sweeps us into his arms in an eternal embrace and we are home. He celebrates, heaven celebrates, the one who was dead is alive. I don't know about you, but I was a prodigal. And when I realized that all of those years I was busy squandering and living vicariously, that God my Father was looking for me every moment with a heart full of hope, loving me, waiting for me to come home, When I knew that he celebrated over my return, well, I've never cried like that in my life. Tears of joy, tears that only come from receiving grace and mercy that I didn't deserve. Tears that only come when you've received compassion and true love that surprises and blesses you all at once. God was always looking for my return, and he waits for every one of his children like that. He loves you, every single one of you, with a love so great that he allows you to choose whether you will come home or not. Did you notice 
Then in addition to being forgiven, the son's identity was restored. Did you notice that he spent all that he had? God meets us where we have nothing left. He offers us hope. He calls us into his family with a love that actively chooses. He chooses us because he has compassion for our plight, because he loves us unconditionally. Yes, it is difficult to show compassion to people who have hurt us, but God shows each of us compassion, even though we have all hurt him. And we've been called to action, created to be compassionate. This love that we've received is calling us to so much more. It's calling us into action beyond our feelings. It's a love that's calling us to get up and go. Jesus gives us the command to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything he's commanded us. And that's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go, make, baptize, teach. These words are all verbs, all action words. Jesus is calling us to more than the minimum. He's calling us to love in action, to sharing his kind of love. Okay, so not everyone's an extrovert. Not every one of us is going to speak on a stage or lead worship or have a podcast, write a book. But every one of us can go and love someone the way that we've been loved. That is how the gospel is going to go into all the world. It can't go unless we take it there. We need to learn to get past the minimum. I talked about that last week. This is the best news ever. This is life and death we're talking about. This isn't just for your friends and your families. It's for your neighbors. It's for strangers. It's for those people in your life who are difficult to love. We are being called to raise our aim from the bare minimum, and compassion is what helps us do that. Compassion has feet, and it goes. Compassion prays with someone, not just for them. It writes a note to express gratitude and love. It smiles, hugs, takes the time to say kind words. It affirms and encourages. Compassion makes a meal for a sick friend, a mom with her hands full, a family in need. It offers to babysit the kids of a busy mother to gift them with the space and time they need to rest. Compassion rolls up its sleeves and weeds a friend's garden, cuts the lawn of an elderly neighbor, goes to the grocery store for someone who can't get out. Look around. We're all so very different. And yet we have something in common. We all yearn for love, for compassion. Allow God to show you where you naturally are gifted to help others. It doesn't have to be complicated. Be who God made you to be. You will never know how powerfully God uses what seems like a simple phone call or text in his perfect timing. It can change the trajectory of someone's life. Compassion is love in action. It goes into all the world. It makes disciples. It baptizes people in the knowledge of who God is and teaches them to obey his ways. And every single one of us is called to that. So the challenge for us today is, 
if we've been loved with the love that comes and walks with us, helps us bear our burdens, stands by us in our difficulties, and is a banner over us wherever we go, we must be intentionally set apart, emptied, and so ready to use that the love of God can flow to us and through us into a dry and thirsty world.
Oh, it's a great I am. 